You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. What's well, our joy to have uh, the tag team of Combs and Combs. And uh, it's, it's always been a joy just to watch how their lives have, have continued to just kind of meld together. You know, Bob was always the prophetic, the wild guy. <clears throat> and here's Ray, a little quiet behind the scenes. But don't, don't let that. We're, we're talking powerhouse, ferocious, lioness. Yeah, yeah, she, she is indeed. And I've, I've had the joy of just watching her through the years just develop in her prophetic anointing and gifting and her teaching. And so she's prophetic teaching. Bob is just prophetic, bing, 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 all over the place. And uh, we always try to encourage Bob to make sure once he takes off, he figures out where the runway is so he knows where to come back and land. Sometimes prophets have a little trouble with that. But no, Bob, Bob's a great friend and a, a wonderful, wonderful servant and proclaimer of the gospel. So Bob and Ray, whoever's first, or if you're coming both. If this one starts misbehaving, just pass this one. Okay. Well, how am I supposed to start this? Um, coming to you direct from VCC Connection is the Bob and Ray Combs show, where you get two for the price of one. And you will notice that, right, there's two of us. And, and what is the topic today? Peace. And I've decided that Father God is sitting right there, and he's laughing. He's absolutely laughing. Because you see, Bob and I have to be at peace for the two of us to talk today. We can't be going in our hearts and minds, you're talking too much. Give me a turn, you know? Or I could have said that better, or you said it wrong, or whatever else could be coming out of our mouths. That's, that can't be in us today. Today, we must be in harmony with one another. We must be so one with one another that we have security and safety. And in that security and safety, we will prosper. We will succeed today in what we have to say. And what I've just said to you is what peace is. That's the definition of peace in both the Hebrew and the Greek word, is harmony with one another, security and safety, where you will prosper. That's what God wants for each one of us, to be in peace with him. That's why he came to bring us into peace with him. No more striving, no more fighting, no more saying, 
I can do this by myself. Or I've got a better answer. Or plan. Or whatever. God wants us at peace with him. And from that we become at peace with one another. At one another. For you see, peace is not a word. Peace is not a feeling or an emotion or an experience. Really, peace is a person. Peace is a person, and that person is Jesus. And we start, we start with prophecy. For God spoke of peace coming to us. And I'm going to read from Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7 in the New King James. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. So Robert, being our prophet, will you explain that to us? Okay, thank you, sweetie. This passage has so much in it. My wife said, now what's the topic? What's, what's the landing? place peace is a person and that's what we must remember peace the Lord Jesus Christ the person is what we have to remember it says for unto us a child is born oh, it's Christmas season the baby's given to us right he's born and that's what the world focuses on the little baby forgets about the rest of it it says, unto us a son is given. God so loved the world that he gave his only unique, one-of-a-kind son, Jesus Christ. But here's something. Now, Ray and I, and especially me, I get fascinated with words, the origin of words. And that word son in the Hebrew is ben. And... It's bet noon. And, well, okay, that's nice. What, what does that mean? Well, in the earliest form of the Hebrew letters, it, there are pictures. And that picture describes it this way. A son is a fish in a house. In other words, a fish jumping out of water, full of life. So the son, Ben, is the life that comes from the house and continues the family. That's Jesus. Jesus so loved what he saw, he endured the cross, because he loves us, because he's the life that comes from the Father to expand and continue the Father's household. That's all wrapped up in that little word, son. And that son was given to us what happens when you, I, I give you a gift? What do you have to do? You've got to receive it. We, we got a gift the other day. 
Not only did we have to receive it, what else did we have to do? We had to open it. And that's relationship with Jesus Christ. Moving on, it says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Well, what does government mean? <laughs> In the earliest form of the word government, again in the pictographs of the Hebrew letters it really means it comes from the power of the prince now I'm not going to go into how they come up with that but government comes from the power of the prince okay we got to read on it will be upon his shoulder and his name is called oh wait name what is name it's Shem. What does Shem mean? It means destroys chaos. Who are you? Well, what's your name? I don't know who you are. Tell me your name. But once you tell me your name, it destroys all the chaos in my mind. Like, who are you? And God gives us his name, which destroys the chaos, the void, the, all the wild stuff in our heads and brings us to a, a wonderful place. So his government, Shem, his government comes and he is called, his name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of Peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Prince is a fascinating word in the Hebrew, in the earliest form. It means, basically, he destroys, he's the destroying man, or the man who has all the power to destroy, for good or for evil. That's what Prince means. So if he's the destroying man, what did Jesus say he has? All power in heaven and earth has been given to me. He has all the power to destroy. And what's he going to destroy? And that's tied up in the word peace. Peace comes from four Hebrew letters, which is shin, lamed, vav, mem. So what? You know, what does that mean to us? But it draws a wonderful picture the picture it draws is this. The definition of peace at the earliest form is it destroys the authority that establishes chaos. It destroys the authority that establishes chaos. So, Jesus, who has all power in heaven and earth, he has all power been given to him, has the authority as the prince to destroy all the chaos. That's who he is. And he has come. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject here for a minute. When, when Bob's talking about this, I'm, I'm thinking about um, pieces of person, and he's going to destroy chaos. Well, what's left? What, what, when chaos is destroyed, what's left then? And we all say peace. 
But in my thinking, it isn't peace as a result of chaos being destroyed. Peace comes at the very first moment that Jesus comes into you, into relationship. You come into relationship with him, and immediately there's peace. Why? Because he is peace. He is peace. There is no chaos anymore. So peace isn't a result. It's what, it isn't the, well, I do this and then I get this. No, it's you, Jesus. I call on you, and bam, there's peace. There was peace on the, um, and there was uh, chaos on the river, on the river, on the lake, uh, Galilee. Storms. And Jesus comes and comes. I didn't, he didn't speak. He came. And what was the result? Peace. The peace came first. The peace came first. Chaos cannot be destroyed unless the Prince of Peace comes first. Otherwise, you're still sitting in chaos. I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm getting that explained right. It made sense at home. Uh, <laughs> but here, here's one of the points, and we hear it often. Uh, you know, I got to get better. I got to decrease so he increases. That's not scriptural. No. John the Baptist says, he must increase and I must decrease. Because guess what? When the Lord of hosts, when the Lord comes into my life, he takes over me. And that which doesn't belong, the chaos and everything else, what does happen? It pushes it out. When my, my wife and I married and she came into my house, guess what? Took her a little while, but guess what happened? Things changed, didn't they? Because now it's her house and she's going to fill it with who she is. Jesus fills us with who he is. So we have a, the prophecy of the Prince of Peace coming. The Prince of Peace coming to us, to our lives. And as the prophecy says, unto us a, a, child, is, or a, a child is born, a baby is born. Let's go to the nativity story then in Luke 2 starting at verse 7. Now, when she reads this, I want you all to close your eyes. Because I want you to listen to the words and receive what's in these words. Not by reading anything, but listen. Let Holy Spirit release to you what he wants you to get from this by his revelation. Starting in verse 7 of Luke 2. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. 
Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all to, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The announcement of Jesus' birth. The announcement from the angels of his presence here. That's what they proclaimed. For there's a child born today, tonight, in Bethlehem. Go. He's here. That's what they're saying. That's what they proclaimed. But I like what they proclaim at the end. And that is, and on earth, peace. And on earth, peace. That was a true statement. That didn't disappear after it being said. Angels carry the name of God, and when they speak, you know, E.F. Hutton speaks, you listen, and it's truth. The angel said, peace on earth. Jesus was born. The Prince of Peace has come now. He is on the earth now. There is no, oh, please, can, can I have peace? Can I have peace? No, he's here. He's right here. Peace has entered our midst right now, right now. I love it that the uh, shepherds proclaim that onto the earth. Peace, peace, an end to chaos. When we were preparing for this, Bob and I read this passage many times, and, and we'd look at each other and go, why the shepherds? What? Why them? Why, why do they? Well, commentators say, well, it's to show that Jesus is for everyone. Because the shepherds are the lowest of the low, you know, bottom of the totem pole, blah, 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 blah. And I went, I don't, I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm, I always question whatever commentators say. I don't, I don't know. So I said, okay, God, wh why didn't you just show up to the middle class innkeeper, you know, and tell him. I mean, Mary and Joseph had been at his door. Why didn't you just tell him? You know, the baby's right there. Pshoom. Tell them. Middle class. That'd go up, that'd go down, but why the shepherds? Well, this is, this is my interpretation. Yes, the shepherds were the lowest of the low. They were abused, neglected, not even noticed, they were nobodies. Dirty, no one wanted to be near them, they smelled like sheep. Why would I go out to visit them in the field? They weren't 
my kind of people. So why should anyone pay any attention to them? And just as Bob said in the opening, what goes through our minds? The chaos, the turmoil. Does anybody see me? Does anybody know who I am? Have you looked at my face and seen who I am? Have you heard my voice? Have you heard my words? Do you, am I anything to anybody? To me, that's what's going through shepherds' minds. Not even God pays any attention to us. We're out here all by our lonesomes. We have nothing. No resources, no, nothing. And I think that's why God came. I think that's why he sent those angels to the shepherds to say, I see you. I know you. I know your name. I know what you're thinking. I know your heart. You're not invisible to me, God says. You're special. You're unique. I made you. You're mine. I'm coming to tell you the greatest news ever because I love you and I trust you with this news. I think that's why the angels came to the shepherds. They needed the chaos, the turmoil in their own hearts and minds to be taken away and to come into perfect peace with Father God. And I think that is what happened when those words were spoken, bam, all of that disappeared. And that's why they could say, come on, let's go. Let's go find this baby. They didn't worry about what people would think when they'd walk into wherever it is. They didn't say, well, what about, you know, should we, should we put on a new tunic, you know? What new tunic? Should we wash our face and brush our teeth before we go? No, it's go, let's go, let's go, let's go right now. Because their turmoil, their chaos had been destroyed by the proclamation of peace on earth. Peace had come to them that night. Just a thought comes also. They knew where to go. They were the shepherds who raised the lambs. And according to some commentaries and some uh, sages, many of the lambs that went to Jerusalem for sacrifice were raised in this area. And when they gave, the, gave birth for these lambs, there was a special place that they would go to and they would wrap those lambs up and we call them swaddling cloths. Why? So they wouldn't get bruised. They wouldn't get a bruise and not be able to walk. What happened to Debbie? No bruises. So they wrapped them up and they knew where that was. It was in the tower of Bethlehem. I'll just say it that way. And they went right there and the baby Jesus wrapped up was laying in that special manger because he was the holy son of God. He was changing the order of things instead of goats and lambs being sacrificed. He was proclaimed the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. A change of order, change of government, and now the government's upon his shoulders 
and they saw him. They knew where he was. They didn't search. They went directly to him. And when they gazed upon them, they became the first evangelists because it says they went out and told everyone. Why? Because they had looked into the face of God. They knew it. And that all those decades of service out alone in the cold in the night was important. And God says, I see you. You are important. You are important. Never minimize what you do as unimportant. Because the lowest of the Lord is the one that the Lord came to with his angels and proclaim peace. And we get to hear it again. I was just thinking as you spoke of the shepherds going out after seeing the baby Jesus and telling everyone of what had happened. When that word of peace on earth was proclaimed, as Bob said, a change happened even in that moment. Those shepherds were changed. They didn't they were no longer afraid to speak to other people. It, isn't, it doesn't say they went back to the other shepherds and told them. It said they told everybody. They told everybody. They didn't care anymore because they knew that Father God loved them. They were at peace with Father God. No more striving, no more anger, no more fighting. They were at peace with him, and therefore, they had been changed in that instant. Jesus was already changing things just by his birth because he is the Prince of Peace. I, I, I want to emphasize one other thing because we skip over it. Back in Isaiah 9, it says, The increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. God declared there will be no end to the ever-increasing presence of me in the earth. Always increasing peace here on the earth. My government is going to always increase. Contrary to what is said out there, there will be no end to that increase. And if I think I'm at a place like, oh, oh, oh. His government is always increasing in me. And my wife is celebrating that. <laughs> I, I was just, as you were saying all that, I was thinking um, the increase of his government and peace, those two go together, government and peace, we don't think of it that way in the natural, you know, because our government, we can fight against our government. We can, and we do, say, well, they're doing this wrong, and they're doing that wrong, and if they only did this, and if they blah, 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 blah. But God's government, we're in perfect harmony and peace with. There is no arguing. There is no saying that God's wrong. That's why it increases because we're going, yeah, you do it, God. You're in charge here. I submit my life to you. I am resting in you. I have perfect peace in you. And God goes, good. Now let's just increase that a little bit more. Let's increase that a little bit more so that when we walk, wherever we're walking in our lives, no matter jobs or retired and you're doing something else, God's right there. 
The Prince of Peace is residing in you, ruling in you. And therefore, as I like to say, what are you sloshing behind you? Are you bringing peace in and leaving it behind you as you walk? Do people go, oh, there's something different about them. They're always so calm, so happy, so nice, so kind. What are you leaving behind? If you let God's government increase, his peace increase, then that's what you've got to leave behind as you walk, when you slosh. It's got to overflow. If it's not overflowing, we need an increase. <laughs> You're holding it in. The angels didn't hold it in. They proclaimed it. They proclaimed it. And what are we doing? We're keeping our mouths shut. Keeping, we're in the sounds of silence. We're in the sound, right, Sean? Sounds of silence. His government will increase, and peace is attached to it because it is Jesus in us. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to read um, the last for, um, scripture to you. It's from Colossians 1, uh, verses 19 to 22. And Paul's writing. And again, it's proclaiming who Jesus is, what he did, and what it means to us. It says, For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. I'll just stop there. All the fullness. Fullness of what? Of the Lord. Of his love. Of his love. <laughs> the fullness of who God is. Of his love, of his power, of his peace, mm -hmm. of his government. Mm -hmm. He's in control. Because mm -hmm. it says, Paul says in Corinthians, I am controlled by his love. Mm -hmm. So again, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to preserve, present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Jesus has made peace through his blood on the cross. Peace. When in Old Testament sacrifices were done, I always think of the one where they have the two goats and one goat gets sacrificed and one goat gets hands laid on with all the sins and sent out into the wilderness. Your sins are gone. 
for a whole year, your sins are gone. One year, your sins are gone. God has no quarrel with you. You have no quarrel with him. You're all at harmony. You're all at peace for one year, and then you got to do it again. But here we read that Jesus did it by his sacrifice, by his blood poured out. He brought peace forever, 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 always at rest with God, always because of a person, the person of Jesus Christ. He gave his life so we could be at peace, or as Paul writes it, reconciled, reconciled. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you have this situation in your family where a family member and you are at odds with one another and you don't talk to each other, you don't communicate with each other. And that's what we did to God. We said, no, nope, I, I didn't like what you did, so I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. I'm, I'm hardening my heart to you. I'm hardening my heart to you. And we've done that in our own personal relationships at times hardened our hearts to someone in our families or a friend and said, no more. And God says, no, 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 no. I want you reconciled. Reconciled to me. My eldest son um, is divorced. And when that proclamation was made that he was getting a divorce, uh, Bob and I just were in shock. And... Uh, I'm praying, God, no, 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 no. You've got to bring them back together, you know. You've got to make their hearts soft to one another again. Not cold, not hard, but soft and warm. God, that's what you want. You want people reconciled. You want them back together. You've got to do this. And God whispered in my ear and he said, and if I don't, if you don't, yeah, Ray, if I don't get them back together, will you harden your heart to me? Will you walk away from me because I didn't do what you wanted? Or will you love me? Will you still love me. I had to think about that because I didn't want my son divorced. I didn't want my grandchildren maybe somewhere where I would never see them again. But what was more important was my relationship with God and to be at peace with him to be in relationship with him, to know that rest of him in my life. And I said, I will still love you. 
I will still praise you. I will still be yours. And he said, that's all I want to hear. That's all I want to hear. And my son is divorced. But I'm not angry with God. I look at my son now and I see a different man than he was when he was married. I see a man who takes time with his girls, who spends that time that he didn't before. So in all respects, it turned out better. It really turned out better. And I have stayed in peace with God through other trials in my life. I had to, when I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, I had to go to him and say, it's yours. Whatever you do with me, whatever you do with me, I want to stay in with you. I want to stay in peace with you. Whether you heal me, put me through chemo and radiation or whatever they do, or, or I die, I come to you, I don't care. Whatever it is, I want to stay with you. And God said, good. He healed me. He healed me. There was no cancer. And, but all through that time of waiting and surgery and everything, I like to say there was peace, but I like better to say I stayed in relationship with my father. I stayed reconciled to my father. I rested in him. I walked it with him, reconciled at one, in harmony with him. I was safe, I was secure, and I prospered because I had the Prince of Peace living in me in relationship with me. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.